Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. I want you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 2. And I'll be there in just one moment, but I want to take a moment of personal privilege to stand in the place of the 5,000 missionaries that we, that call ourselves Southern Baptists, have in 141 countries of the world that we know about. I want to stand in their place because I can assure you that today these missionaries and in a different time zone are watching very closely the clock and they're praying for something that our Southern Baptist churches, more than 40,000 of them in the, in the United States, cooperate to do that is the lifeline of our mission support in these countries. Many of these missionaries are in places that we cannot even tell you where they are because their lives are threatened. Many have been killed, executed in the course of serving the Lord. They're there with their families. They're there to uh, carry the gospel to the world and that part of the world. There's a thousand waiting to go right now if those of us that call ourselves Southern Baptists would rise to the occasion and support financially this awesome undertaking with the goal being to get the gospel to every person on the planet so that everybody has a chance to hear the scripture. But the Bible says they can't go unless they be sent. The goal of that offering is somewhere around $300 million. Now that offering has been taken for, is named, is named the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. Now I know if you're not a Baptist and you don't know what that is, that's a little suspicious. You know, I didn't know that, that Sagemont was a Mooney church and was supporting the Moonies. That's not who Lottie Moon was. Lottie Moon was a little bitty lady that gave her life to Jesus to carry the gospel to China when nobody else would go, when it was extremely dangerous, this little lady carried the gospel into that country. Her life impacted no telling how many people, only heaven knows. But in memory of that faith, of that little woman, this offering was named the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. It's always been taken at Christmas. When God sent His Son, that's what we're celebrating, that we want the world to hear that story of John 3.16. We take the offering every year. Last year, uh, I think our gifts were around 300000 to that, dollars. And I, I just cannot push it too much, folks. For my family, for your family, for you as a single, for you as a child, for you as a teenager, I don't know of a pure offering that's taken on the continent than this. It doesn't go to pay the salaries. It goes to do capital improvements and to do the things that they do out there of opening up new work. And so I want you to pray about it. If you're a guest today, we don't talk about money from the pulpit very often here. We believe in giving. We want the Holy Spirit to tell you that. But sometimes people get confused. We don't pass offering plates. We don't owe money. But those boxes out there that are everywhere, if you want to make a gift, you can make, this, make your check out to the Sagemont Church. I can promise you that every penny of it will be sent in just a few days after the first of the year to our international office in Richmond, Virginia, and then it'll be distributed to the uttermost part of the earth. Whether it's a check, 
of a dollar or a billion dollars, it will be used, every penny of it, for that. So if you've ever wanted to make a gift to the Lord that we return great benefits to the kingdom, I speak for those missionaries that are waiting and praying right now that God will speak to our heart. And we will see on our Christmas list something to give to those missionaries to carry the gospel, to use to carry the gospel to the world. A lot of them are in hospitals, feeding centers, water well drilling, all that kind of stuff. But everywhere this, that it goes, the gospel is preached, the gospel is taught, okay? So may the Holy Spirit just bless that. And I stand also uh, in, for the Lord in that, that he would want you to know that. If he were here, that would be an instruction I think he would give is, please tell the world about me. Luke chapter 2, it's a familiar chapter. We are always in that first part of Luke chapter 2. Today we're going to verse 25. The message title is a little bit strange, Preparation for the Coming Christmases, plural. Actually, there's two of them. I couldn't get the name that I wanted exactly, but I'm coming as close as I can. Let me explain to you the title. Number one... Christmas is coming next Thursday. Then there's another Christmas that's going to come. What do we do on Christmas? We celebrate the coming of Jesus. There's going to be another Christmas, but we don't know exactly when it is. It's called the second coming of Jesus. It's, at, it's when Jesus is coming back to this earth, not as a little baby, but he's coming back to this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. And every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to prepare ourselves for this Christmas. Just the mission offering is a part of it, but loving your family, forgiving people that have offended you, making those commitments in your life to study the Word more, to pray and make yourself available to the Lord more often. I mean, that's this week. But I want to take you into a wonderful story on these brief moments, and then we're going to have communion at the end of the service. And I want to show you in the Scripture how... There was a man named Simeon. Simeon, not Simon, not Simon Peter. This man's name was Simeon. Simeon had prayed all of his life that he would be able to be alive when Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, came to the earth. It is a beautiful request that he made known to God that God granted that he would hold the baby Jesus. Listen to the story. It'll touch your heart if I made no comments about it. But I want you to stand this morning in respect to the second chapter of Luke, verses 25 through 35. <clears throat> and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Let me stop there so you don't get lost. The consolation of Israel was the words used for the messianic age. That's when Jesus would come to this earth, when the promised Messiah would come. That's what it's referring to. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel or the coming of the Messiah. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple... And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him, that's baby Jesus, in his arms, he blessed God and he said, Lord, 
Now lettest thou your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them. He said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and the rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Would you be seated, please, and listen to me for just a moment. Do you know any one that God has promised that they will not die before next Thursday? Do you know anybody that has a promise that they'll be alive next Thursday when we celebrate the birth of Jesus? Well, of course you do not. But the Bible, the Bible says nobody knows what another day is going to bring. Life is like a vapor, the Bible says. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. The thousand, every, for every thousand people that are born, those same thousand people will die. That's a promise of the Bible. It is appointed unto man once to die. And we don't know when that death is going to come. It can come very unexpected. Our phones have rang all week, as it does every holiday season around Christmas. Death, mom, husband, brother, sister, child, grandparent, whatever. Yesterday we had the homegoing service of one of the great saints of Sagemont Church and his, and his history. That's just the way it is. None of us know what another day is going to bring. So none of us know we're going to be alive Thursday. But there was one that was given that promise. His name was Simeon. And God said to him, Simeon, I'm going to grant the request you've made. You will see the Messiah when he comes. He didn't know how he's going to come. Didn't know the manger story. But God let him do that. God let him stay alive to see the baby come. But when I talk about the coming Christmases, that Christmas, we don't know that we're going to be alive Christmas. But there's another Christmas that's going to follow this Christmas. Jesus is coming back to this earth again. And in order to be ready, if you say, I would like to be alive when that, that, uh, coming, or that Christmas comes, when Jesus comes back to this earth, well, we don't know when that's going to be. He might come back before Thursday. <laughs> we might switch. But if he doesn't, there's another Christmas coming. Now, the way that you get ready for the second coming when Jesus comes back to this earth again is you get ready for the first coming, which is this Thursday. That's when we're going to celebrate that. If you're ready to celebrate and worship Jesus this Thursday, you'll be ready when Jesus comes back again if you're alive. If you're in the grave, the Bible says you'll come first. The dead in Christ will rise first. But I want you to look at this man for just a moment. He was getting ready for the first Christmas, and he gives us an example as to how we're to get ready. So I want you to keep your Bible open, 
And knowing that Jesus is coming back again, as surely as he came the first time, he's coming back again. And I want you to notice this man's life. Remembering that when Jesus came, he came as a little baby in a, in a manger, in an old barn, out there where the animals were. That's the Christmas we're celebrating this Thursday. But when Jesus comes back again, he came the first time in shame. No room at the end. But when he comes back the second time, he's coming back in splendor. When he came the first time, the little baby came, and a little over 30 years later, he was nailed to a cross. He was executed by the Roman government. When he comes back in the coming Christmas after, we're talking about celebrating on Thursday, he's going to come not to a crucifixion, but to a carnation, when he will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. When he came the first time, he stood before the government official, Pontius Pilate, when he comes back the second time, Pilate will stand before him. And so will Herod. And so will all of those have, who have rejected the first Christmas. There was no room for him in the inn. You remember that very well when he comes back again. All that's in the heavens and all that's in the earth belongs to him. He will possess the world. Look at Simeon. Number one, look in verse 25 real quick. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. He was a just and a devout man. He was right with God. We could use the word he was a saved man. He, he had been justified by Jesus. Jesus had taken care through the Father in his justification. Nobody can be justified except by Jesus. He looked forward to Jesus. We look back to Jesus. He had already committed himself to Jesus before Jesus was ever born. He just wanted to hold him. He said, if I can live just that day, I will hand him back. I'll step back and I'm ready to go to be with the Father. What an emotional picture that must have been. How was he saved? He was saved by faith. He was saved by faith in that he had faith that Jesus was coming. Noah had the same faith. We have the faith that he has come. Now, we don't have to have near as much faith as he had because all the facts bear out the fact that Jesus came, he died, buried, and he rose again. A whole lot easier for us than it was for Simeon. But I just want to tell you, you're not ready for Thursday unless you're ready for the coming of Jesus the second time. You're going to miss it a thousand miles. You're going to get caught up into, look what I got, look what I gave. Oh, I'm glad you're happy. I'm happy. Oh, this is a wonderful time. We're with our family. Those are all special moments. I love it. I love Brother Bill's story. I love your story. Isn't that a great time when they come and we get together, or at least when most of them come, <laughs> if you know what I mean? Uh, but in Christ, we hope they all come and we all get right with God. That's part of Christmas. But here's my point. If we today forget what Christmas is, Thursday, this Thursday, it is not about what I'm getting. It's not about the gifts. It's about the giver. It's a celebration of the birth of the Messiah who brought salvation to every generation, those before him and those after him. 
He was a very devout man. He was surrendered to the Lord, if you please. We, we sing that song, Take My Life and Let It Be, and Consecrated Lord to Thee, and others sing it, Take My Life and Let Me Be, whatever I want to be. That's not the way it works. We want, hey, Lord, I want you in my life. I mean, I, I want you in my heart. I want to be forgiven. I want to be born again. I just don't want you messing with my life. Because I got some things that I enjoy, my friends enjoy. And if you think I'm giving up those, not yet. Maybe when I get older, but not yet. You only go around one time in life, I'm going to get all the gusto I can. You better be careful. Your trip may not be near as long as you had planned. None of us know what another day is going to bring. But here's a man who was so devout. He walked with God in the faith that he was going to carry out the Old Testament prophecies and Jesus was going to literally come to this world. God was going to become flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. He was very devout. There isn't any shortcut to holiness, folks. None whatsoever. It must be. Holiness must be about our whole life. There's no shortcuts. We don't need today great talent and great learning. What we need today is great holiness, great commitment, great conviction. We, we need to live in a time where, and you say, well, I don't even understand what holiness is. Let me just put it maybe in a too simple of a definition or an explanation. I, I see holiness as simply conforming to the image of Jesus. As he is, so we're to be. That's holiness. Be ye holy as he is holy is where I'm getting that. We're to be as he is in this life. And so for us to look at the Father as Jesus looked at the Father, always wanting to know what's your will, Father. Before I do this, what is your will? Before I go there, what do you want? Before I receive that, what do you want? Before I give that, what do you want? He was a very surrendered man. He was waiting. And you know what really motivated him? He was waiting for the coming, the consolation of Israel or the Messianic age. He, all those Old Testament prophets said, go back to Isaiah 53 and all those passages, God is going to send one that will be the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us. But it hadn't happened until that day when he held that little baby, Jesus. Oh, he was a spiritual man. The Bible says the Holy Ghost came upon him. You can't get more spiritual than that. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. <clears throat> you know what's wrong with a lot of us? We're enduring religion instead of enjoying our salvation. You know what salvation means? You're free. Religion, when you try to use religion to get free, it doesn't work to free you. Jesus frees you. Your faith and our teachings helps keep us free because we know the source of our freedom. We know the source of our forgiveness. We know the source of our salvation. And we know that the only way we can do what God wants us to do is that he is in us. And when we can't handle it, he says, get out of my way. Come right here behind me. Hold on. We're moving. Follow me and I will make you what I've created you to be. For Simon Peter, you remember, he was a fisherman for fish. He said, I'm going to use those fishing skills. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to give you the gifts and the power and the insight to bring people to me. You know what? If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not ready for Christmas. You're not ready. 
And don't run out to the mall this afternoon thinking that by sitting on somebody's knee or going into somebody's store that you're going to get right and get it all done. I'm, I'm now I'm ready for Christmas. You're not ready for Christmas if you don't know that you know that Jesus lives in your life and that he loves you unconditionally. And he'll forgive you of your every sin. And he'll give you a fresh start. And he'll give you the power. And his power is so great it'll never run out. Never, never, never. But he was a very sensitive man. This man Simeon. The 26th verse says, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. God could talk to him. Now please listen to me carefully. And I'm going to try to to uh, speak to where you'll not misunderstand what I'm fixing to tell you. God could talk to Simeon. A lot of us think that praying is talking to God, and that's it. We say, I prayed 10 minutes today. What do you mean you prayed 10 minutes today? The Bible says pray without ceasing. Well, I, I spent 10 minutes this morning. In fact, I get up every morning, 4 o'clock. I, I pray for 30 minutes, more than my other friend. He only prays 10 minutes. I pray 30 minutes. I, I take God's time and tell God 30 minutes what I want him to do today. My other friend just takes 10 minutes. If you don't know this, please, if you don't learn anything else about the, from this message today, let me tell you about praying. You study it real carefully in the Bible. Praying is not telling God how to run the world. Praying is being still and know that he is God. We want things louder and faster and quicker and move, move, move. And the Bible says, listen, be still and listen to me. i got a plan for your life. I've got something I want you to do. Listen to me. See, we can get so caught up in the quickness and, the, and everything going on. And, and we, we don't have our iPhones and we've got our television. We've got our traffic jams and we've got our crowds and we've got our bar. We've got all the, this kind of stuff. But the Bible says, and Simeon had that time when he could get in the quiet spot, and his praying was mostly listening. How long did you listen to God after you prayed? Or did you say in Jesus' name, amen, and what that means is you got to do it because I prayed in Jesus' name, Father, and I got you. Now you got to do everything I told you. Bless who I want to bless. Curse who I want you to curse. Uh-uh. God says, can I talk to you now? Or have we taken up all the time? Simeon was a listening prayer. He didn't do the talking. He was there to listen. Because he was a listener. Listen to this. You know what he heard? Simeon, you're not going to die. Whoa, I'm glad I heard that. <laughs> I was getting worried because I was getting old and just got back from the doctor. And he told me that I had six months. The Lord said, I'm not giving you a time frame, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Until Jesus comes, you're going to be alive. I'm going to grant you the desire of your heart. I know you have a pure motive to want to see the Christ child. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful part. He was a good listener. God is sensitive to those of you that are here today that are crying out God save me God forgive me God heal me God use me God bless me so I can bless others God is sensitive to that if it comes from a pure heart but he wants you to listen and he'll tell you how you won't be deceived you will not spend your time and your resources on things that profit this little 
but you will spend them on things that will bless God and bless you. So Simeon saw Jesus at his dedication service. He's, he gets to hold the little baby, and as he looked at Jesus, according to the 30th verse, mine eyes have seen my salvation, or thy salvation, your salvation that's sent to me, that's now my salvation. Mine eyes have seen your salvation. He saw Jesus as his Savior. He saw Jesus as one that had come to set him free. He did not see Jesus as one that can just give me stuff when I want it, when I want it and what I want. He gave me himself. See, the Lord doesn't love us because we are, we, uh, are valuable. Uh, he loves us because we, he sees us as something that can be used in a very special way to bless others. He's the Christ of delight. Christ of delight. Look at that. Verse 31, 32. Which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He says two things. I'm going to give you something you can use. It'll be a blessing to the Gentiles. It'll be a blessing to the Jews. I'm the light of the world. I'm going to trust me to you, and you are going to get the light out to the world. That's what missions is about. We must get the gospel from Houston to the uttermost part of the world. Through that wonderful computer technology, it can be used to get the gospel. And right now, the signal of what's going on in this room is all over the world. And we hear from people in Africa, Germany, Russia, all of these places that just in random through the Holy Spirit will turn and listen to, for the first time, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is a deliverer. He is a delight, and he is our destiny. When you found Jesus, you found everything. In him is all the fullness of the Godhead, the Bible says. He came to bring joy and delight to his children. And what a joy it is to serve the Lord. And his life is not lived in just length. But more important, it's lived in depth. In verse 34, And Simeon blessed them. He said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and a, for a sign which shall be spoken against. And he's talking about being the Christ of destiny. He'll determine who rises. He'll determine who falls. He will determine who lives. He will determine who dies. He will determine who he blesses with whatever he chooses. He will choose the blessing and the blesser. He will decide where to put those things, whether it's personality, whether it's your purse, your money, whether it's your strength, your health, whatever it is. I know where to use those things, whether it's an education or a lack thereof of education. I know where to put that. I know where it fits into the scheme of things. And that's what I'm going to do. He's your Savior. And one day, he's going to be our judge. And yes, he is 
the Christ of division, the one that's spoken against in that 34th verse. You see, men have done this through the ages. When we preach the virgin birth, the criticism come. That's ridiculous. That's what the Bible says. When we talk about the blood atonement, which we're going to celebrate in just a few moments now, people say, by his blood, we're going to be saved? You've got to be kidding me. That's what the Bible says. When we talk about the bodily resurrection of the crucified Savior, the intellectual says, no, not possible. When we talk about the literal return of Jesus, still the head, no, I cannot believe that. No way, not with who I am and with my, my skills. And so I cannot do that. Jesus is the only way to heaven, as I talked about last week. Are you kidding me? No, I'm just telling you what he said. That's what he says. Well, be ready to be scoffed if you choose to follow Jesus. Be ready because it will happen. But Simeon never blinked. If he slays me, Job said, I'm going to serve him. I'm going to do right whatever it costs. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? When we read that final verse, verse 35, Jesus is the Christ of disclosure. Yea, a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, and the thoughts of many may be revealed. You see, Christ is our, measure, our measuring stick. What we think of Jesus is what we think of God, the Father. You don't love Jesus, you don't love the Father. If you love Jesus, you can love the Father. If you'll serve Jesus, you're pleasing the Father. If you're doing what Jesus says, you're doing what the Father is saying because he speaks through, through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. But when we go our own way and we do our own thing and we just go where everything else is taking place in this world today, with the same intelligence, environment, heredity, some will say yes and some will say no. Now the scripture says there will be far more that will say no to Jesus than will say yes. The Bible says narrows the way that leads to eternal life and few there will be. I can say to you without any reservation and with absolute proof, if you are one that can be identified with walking with the majority in your generation, you're not walking with God. He never is with the majority. He's always with the few that are willing to go and be crucified with Christ, knowing that then they can live forever. Well, how are you going to respond? You want to be your Savior? Or you want to wait and let Him be your judge? Because He will be. If He's not your Savior, He's going to be your judge. If He's not your Lord, He's going to be the one that will ask you to tell Him why He wasn't your Lord. Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for the second coming of the Lord Jesus? Well, let me just reverse that and tell you, if you're not ready for the Christmas of the second coming, you're not ready for Thursday. The clock is ticking. Get ready. A lot of folks got ready this morning in the early service. It's not too late to get ready in the late service. The Savior is waiting. 
He's tenderly calling. In just a moment now, we're going to take. Here's what he said to his, his disciples. You remember there were 12 of them at the table? Jesus was, is fixing to go to the cross. He calls the 12 in. You remember there was one? What was his name? Judas. What happened to him? He said, I can't take this. It's crazy. It's foolish. I'm not going to do it. I'm out of here. He got up and he left. He went with the world. That's where all of his friends were. He didn't want to be ostracized from his friend. He didn't care about being cut off from God. He just didn't want to be cut off from his friend. So out he goes. Jesus then turns to the others. He said, now y'all want to go? See, he gives you that privilege. Do you want to go? No, we're going to stay. You know what staying meant? All 11 of them were executed. All 11. You think that was a surprise to them? Not at all. But they, know, they knew in whom they believed. They watched him die. So when Jesus gets them together, he said, now here's the bottom line. It's the only thing I ask you to remember. You don't have to remember the Ten Commandments. You don't have to remember the Beatitudes. You don't have to remember uh, that you can quote the book of the Revelation. Here's what I want you to remember. I shed my blood and I gave my life because I love you. So I'm going to give you some bread to remember my body was broken for you. I'm going to give you the cup to remind you my blood was shed. And without the shedding of blood, your sins could not be remitted. That's what the Father required. That's what I gave. Don't forget it. That's all he says. Don't forget it. Do you find any fault in Jesus? The political leaders couldn't. The centurion said that nailed him to the cross, this man is truly the Son of God. Who do you think he is? You'll make that decision. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In just a moment, we're going to have communion. It'll take just less than 10 minutes but here's what I want you to do I want you to understand this was given to believers the baptized believers not any denomination but the baptized believers who had chosen to take up their cross and follow the Lord whatever it cost they take this and was given to them and it's in remembrance of me how can I know that I'm saved? How can I know that there's a plan for my life? How can I know my sins are forgiven? How can I know that? Jesus said, remember the blood. Remember the, the body. I died and shed my blood for you. I paid the price. You are free to serve. If that's never happened in your life, with an opportunity to take communion, with the opportunity to take up your cross and follow the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me if you've never prayed it before in your life. If you're ready, you understand, you're forsaking all to follow Jesus, pray with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know you love me. I don't know how, but I know you do. I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sin this morning for the first time. Never asked you to do this, but I'm willing to follow you. Come into my heart, forgive me, I repent, I'm turning. I'm not only asking you to come in, I'm going to turn and start walking with you. I'm going to follow you. I wasn't following you when I came in this building, but I'm going to go out following you. And wherever you lead, I'll go. So I receive your gift. I'm grateful for your shed blood and your broken body. And Jesus, you're now my Savior and Lord. Would you receive me into your hands? In Jesus' name, amen.
We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.